This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Today's episode is special. The world changed pretty quickly over the last week with the coronavirus being declared a pandemic and America declaring a national emergency. Overnight, we've seen our lives change, the way we interact, where we go, and what we can do. With sports and entertainment shut down and quarantines and social distancing and social isolation being recommended, it's an unprecedented time for the dating world, and we wanted to help you navigate it. So, Today, we have two doctors who will speak about how to manage dating with the coronavirus, specifically COVID-19. We'll discuss both the medical and physical aspect, but in the second half, we'll talk about the emotional aspect of all of this from the lens of the single dater or people in a relationship trying to figure it all out together. That said, let's do this. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is dating through the coronavirus. How to do it? Let's find out. Hello, hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel, and you're listening to Kinda Dating. If you like today's episode, please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it and leave us a five-star rating or review. We're also on social media at Kinda Dating, and I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha Chandel Official on Facebook, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Today... No more, no, no, like little riffing and chit chat. We're going to get right into it because this is a very important special episode we're doing since everything changed so quickly and I got lots of messages and I was wondering myself. So I want to introduce our first guest. He is a board certified, I'm going to say it wrong and he just told me how to say it, board certified otolaryngologist, or ENT, from University of Florida Health. He's a member of the American Academy of Otolaryngology and a member of the American Rhinologic Society. He's also been published seven times in peer-reviewed publications. I really want to thank Dr. Brian Lobo for being on the show. Hi, Brian. Hey, Natasha. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, my God. We are so grateful for you because shit's hit the fan. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a pretty interesting uh, past couple of weeks. Uh, that's that's, a, that's an understatement. Really, past couple of months. Yeah, uh, but have, we've really seen a lot of a lot of change. Have you had a clear sort of spike in patients? Uh, the the worriness level has definitely shot up significantly. Uh, as you have seen, pretty much the only state that doesn't have patients with coronavirus right now is West Virginia at least of, you know, my last reading. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, you know, whether they're testing positive or they're not testing positive, certainly the the number of people coming in worried about, you know, flu-like symptoms has, has shot up precipitously. Right. Um, so I'm going to, you know, change direction for one tiny moment because we have to ask every guest this first question before we start. Okay, Brian, single sure. or in a relationship? Uh, it's complicated, all right. like always. That's it. That's all yeah. we'll do. So um, we yeah. are uh, talking about 
specifically COVID-19, because coronavirus is a specific strain, right, that encompasses a bunch of different viruses? It is. So coronavirus encompasses a lot of different viruses. If you're looking at this one specifically, it this is actually what's called the severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2. Uh, it's, it's, you know, somewhat linked to what you guys remember as the SARS epidemic, but it's a different type of virus. And it's kind of been very specifically spreading since really the end of 2019. And uh, should people be taking this seriously? I think the answer is definitely yes. Um, you know, I think one of the, the funniest things is as a healthcare provider, you know, people have not cared about the flu. They've not cared about common colds. And then all of a sudden they're very concerned about this, which I, I would say is both really exciting and very frustrating, you know, because I think you should always be worried about any sort of um, transmissible disease, whether you think it's serious or whether you don't think it's serious. You know, if you look at the most recent numbers, I think around 1600 people in the U.S. have been diagnosed with coronavirus. And around, um, I'm mistaken, 40-something people have died uh, from the disease so far. Now, the problem is, like everything else, that's, you know, biased against testing. You know, there's right. probably, you know, some people have said anywhere from 10 to 100 cases of coronavirus for every single one that's come back positive with a test. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think people should definitely take this seriously. Yeah, especially because I think what has been frustrating for me is I am somebody who has really advocated not for people to panic, but for people to be responsible during this time. And of course, uh, funny enough, I was actually kind of a little bit prepared in advance. <laughs> Sorry, I actually have a cough, but I'm not sick. Um, I have a sinus cough. You will understand that. Um I, I, I do understand that. <laughs> so uh, I was like, I always have to tell people now because of this virus. I'm like, I swear I got sick weeks ago and now I just have this remaining cough from my sinuses. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I think the thing is that a lot of people are comparing it to the flu and sort of not taking it seriously. And something um, that I, I wonder is frustrating for you or not is, you know, low risk individuals, people who don't have any underlying conditions um, and are often asymptomatic and healthy are going about their lives, not worried about the fact that this virus has a potential 10, 10 times more reach, I heard, than the flu. Um. You know, unfortunately, you can you can give statistics to 10 different people and they can prove pretty much anything with them. Um, I think what you need to know about the coronavirus is that we should probably be taking the flu a little bit more seriously, mm. I think is the best way of saying that. You know, all of these viruses, we should care about them a little bit more than probably we do. Now, in fairness, coronavirus does tend to really, sorry, COVID-19, I should be more specific, COVID-19 really does tend to skew towards, you know, people who are above the age of 40 to 50 in terms of really severe outcomes in terms of morbidity and mortality. Um, but I think people in general just really need to be globally more cautious about transmissible diseases, especially the more we travel, the more we, you know, I took some data points for you just because I was curious. So I went, I went to, to, you know, the small town I live in, I went to, I went to the downtown, you know, yesterday just to see 
you know, how well social distancing is working. And I can tell you right now, nobody's social distancing. Restaurants were packed, bars were packed, you know, people are out about doing kind of their normal thing. And I've talked to, you know, friends in DC and Chicago and other cities and everyone, I mean, it's a little bit more quiet than normal, but people are still going out. They are still eating. They're still drinking. They're still kind of congregating in large numbers. So, you know, I think unfortunately, you know, in the United States, we're never going to have a response uh, like they did in China, where they shut down the country essentially for three to four weeks, and then we're able to squash the, the infection. Immunity boosting is on everyone's mind nowadays, especially during COVID-19. So try Nuvo Olive Oil, a natural immune booster when taken as a tablespoon shot every morning on an empty stomach. It's loaded with cancer-fighting nutrients and combats unhealthy bacteria. It's rich in vitamin E, chlorophyll, and antioxidants. Nuvo Olive Oil is a family business that started in 2013 as a response to all the adulterated and fake olive of oil flooding the U.S. market. The family-owned and operated farm is 135 years old, and their mission is to bring you the most authentic, best quality, and tasting extra virgin olive oil and raise consumer awareness to help you make healthier choices for your life through delicious cooking and well-being. Made from Mission Olive Trees, Nuvo has won two gold medals for their olive oils. They're phenomenal as a finishing oil on meals, as salad dressing, and to cook with. It's also a great dating gift and is an essential staple in the kitchen when cooking dinner for a loved one or a heaven-sent partner. But mostly, in this time of hysteria and phobia, it is the best preventative measure and ingredient one can take to stay healthy and feel good. I'm legit obsessed with Nuvo's jalapeno olive oil oil and their Serrano olive oil. Yes, I even like my oils spicy. I put both in everything. I bake my salmon in it, have put it in salads and sauteed veggies with them. They give all my food that perfect little kick. So try Nuvo olive oil. Go to NuvoOliveOil.com and use the promo code KINDADATING15 for 15% off. They offer free shipping on orders $30 or more. Once again, that's NuvoOliveOil.com. That's N-U-V-O OliveOil.com. And use the promo code KINDADATING15 for 15% off. Um, in the U.S., you know, and for good or better, we're, we're fortunate to have our freedoms, but those freedoms also sometimes come with, with you know, the need to better manage our responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we just need to be more cautious. So should people be practicing some, some level of social distancing and definitely isolation if you're feeling ill? If you're feeling ill, absolutely. I mean, you should you should probably reach out to your healthcare provider and let them know what is going on. Um, you know, a lot of primary care offices are actually saying, "Hey, we're not we. If you are sick and have flu-like illnesses, we would prefer that you stay at home and you don't come to our practices." I don't know whether that's correct or not, um, but really, you should reach out to your healthcare provider and probably practice some form of self-isolation. Now. If you are, um, you know, I don't know that everyone needs to be, be, you know, self-isolating, but, you know, here's where trust really comes into play. Um, You know, we we are trying to tell people you shouldn't be hanging out in large groups of people. You shouldn't be um, gathering in places. I mean, you look everywhere from churches to supermarkets. I mean, every everyone's putting out a statement on, hey, listen, 
don't touch hands, wash your hands. If you're ill, please don't come. So, I mean, I, and why yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think social for dis- people who don't understand, why is it important to not be gathering in large groups like even the supermarket? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, you know, people cough, people sneeze. Um, you know, when I was a kid in school, you were taught, taught kind of basic hygiene. You know, if you cough, cover your cough. If you sneeze, cover your sneeze. If you sneeze into your hand or cough into your hand, wash your hands immediately. Um, and the problem is, in reality, people don't do that as well as they ought to. So if you were to go into a large public place and let's say someone happens to be sick, whether it's with COVID-19 or with one of the other myriad upper respiratory infections that go around at this time of year or with the flu, if someone, you know, gosh forbid, has, has sneezed in their hand, not, you know, put some sort of sanitizer or not wash their hands and then has proceeded to touch a door handle, every single person who then touches that door handle may or may not be exposed to said virus. Now, just because you touch that door handle doesn't mean you're necessarily going to sick, get sick from it. But if you go ahead and then, you know, rub your eyes or, you know, rub your nose or, or touch your mouth, somebody else there's the possibility. And then you're passing it. Sorry? Or hug somebody else. You know, I don't know if a hug is going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, you, you, you absolutely, depending on how exposed, you know, how much virus that person is shedding, you can certainly be in a situation where, um, you can certainly be in a situation where you are exposing others. Yeah. So with, um, you know, in California or in L.A., it's a pretty uh, quiet for sure. I would say uh, everywhere is like a lot of my friends are not going out and people are um, are definitely staying in. My family's from Canada, a little bit different where they have much fewer cases, but people are also trying to start practicing you know, social distancing, not everybody. But, you know, we're talking about dating and and people are, you know, there's a joke that right now, like all the apps like are kind of everybody's getting a ton more matches and a lot more conversations mm-hmm. with people than they've ever been, because I think people are bored and sitting at home and kind of swiping right and taking chances. So we sure. wanted to ask sort of that, that some of these basic questions that people are wondering, should people be dating right now? Um, you know, here's, here's the challenge. It, it comes down to two things. It comes down to number one, it, do you trust the person on the other end of that swipe? Um, and number two is the person on the under other end of that swipe honest with you about where they have been, and what they may have been exposed to. Um, I think it's the same rules that you would use for, you know, sexually transmitted diseases. Um, oh, yeah, you know, I always true. think about it. I mean, have you ever seen, you've seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, the, the, the movie, you know, and one of my favorite quotes is, you know, when Sarah Marshall says, well, you know, Aldous, you never told me you have herpes. And he's like, well, I, I don't have herpes. I had it. Yeah, I don't have it now. Um, and if that's kind of the right. moral character, uh, you know, of the average person, I think you very much look in a situation where can you trust other people? Yeah, um, and that was... You know, it, it's hard for... Sorry, go ahead, please. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, please. No, 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 go ahead. No, and I was going to say, I mean, and that's that's really what you're looking at because, you know, one-on-one interactions 
you know, because because you, you you know you, you can't tell people to completely eliminate interactions. That's terrible. That that takes away from humanity. That being said, you know, if you are interacting one on one with someone who happens to have been unintentionally exposed or unknowingly exposed, and is now shedding virus, every single person that they interact with is now getting exposed and every single person that you are interacting with now is getting exposed. Um, and so not only, you know, do you run the risk of yourself getting COVID-19, you've now run the risk of sharing that with people who didn't previously have it, who you didn't think had it and didn't think you had it. So it's very much a trust related thing. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's like a great way to put it. Cause that's sort of where I, what I was thinking of is as somebody who is currently just back out there and dating, um, I won't take a new first date because I just don't know who the person is, but there, there are, you know, there's somebody that I've already been going on a few dates with. So that person I've been consistently in touch with and I know where they've been and if they've traveled and if they've been sick because I've been talking to them for a few weeks before. So that person I'm okay with meeting, but we are doing like a one-on-one at somebody's house versus a bar or a restaurant. Like we actually had a date planned yesterday at a fancy restaurant that we were like, you know, maybe let's do a dinner and movie inside. Um, are those, is that a little bit like, cause again, it's you said probably, you can't probably, completely shut down. Yeah, it, so it, what do we suggest? Yeah. It's probably safer. Obviously, I mean, if you if you know the person, you obviously have a rapport with the person. You 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 know you know things about said person. You can minimize the amount of risk, um, and I think that's the best way of looking at it. I don't I don't think you should shut down your dating life completely, mm-hmm. but it would probably be wise to limit the number of new contacts with people that you don't know, um, because really, like you said, you have you maybe <laughs> by rook or crook have been able to do some sort of research about this other person. Uh, and, and you can make your best judgment based on that information. But if you have zero data points, you know, you, you don't know, you, you don't know that person from Adam. And, and then it's kind of important to just say, hey, I should probably be more cautious. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people, especially my Canadian friends, um, are very, very uh, polite and don't want to ask somebody if they've been sick or if they've traveled, which I think is a little irresponsible. I've been like, dude, you're exposing again yourself or your kids or whatever. So you should be mm-hmm. like one thing I do appreciate about America and Americans is like people are really direct. <laughs> okay. So nobody yeah. every like even my friends. Again, I have this sinus cough that's just lingering. It's been like three weeks since I've actually been like sick and uh, mm-hmm. people are literally straight up like, you know, we, we're not going to see you until you're done. <laughs> I was like, fair. Um, is it okay to be asking people in sort of a polite way? What are some of the questions? Should we ask if people have been sick recently, if they've traveled anywhere? Um, kind of make it a little bit more conversational. <laughs> hey, where was the last trip you took? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's always awkward, right? Because you're trying to deal with people who you, you really don't know at all. Um, but I think it is important. I mean, I think you should, and, and it's not just you finding out about the other person, you know, you know, 
there are some questions that are probably important because, you know, people in, in maybe our, what I'm assuming is our age bracket aren't the only ones dating. There are people in the 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 age bracket that are dating. Get it. And they the need to get it risk, in too. <sighs> yeah. And, <laughs> and in all honesty, um, you know, as your age goes up, the risk factors go up tremendously. And so I think it's very important that people realize, wow, it's not just, you know, whether or not I am dating, it's who am I dating? It's what is the person I'm dating? Have they been traveling recently to one of the high risk countries or, you know, have they been traveling to one of the high risk portions of the United States? Do they have any medical problems? I mean, there's a whole list list on the, on the center for disease control's website about all of the chronic medical conditions that you should be aware of. Um, yeah, because there, there are higher risk. We we did a poll on our Instagram, my personal one, and kind of mm-hmm. datings, and we asked like, "Are you still going to go on a date during this COVID time?" And some it actually was a sixty forty yes. So sixty people yes, you got to live your life, and forty percent mm-hmm. no, fuck that. Um, and those mm-hmm. like yes, live okay. your life people, I think, kind of worried me. Um. Because, like, how, again, it's what you said, right, about you don't know if you have it, and then you're passing it on to people. Yeah, no, and I think that's that's primarily it. I mean, I think, again, we are, we are afforded great freedoms, but with great freedom comes great responsibility. Oh, my God, um, Peter Parker think, from Spider-Man quote. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's a re- that's a very recycled quote. I think that's, that's I think I think I think someone in every generation has said that in some way. But it's true. I mean, you you really have to be in a situation where, you know, the only way that this gets better is when people actually start to be responsible. Um, and if if we are not responsible on a personal level, I you know how can we expect people? You know, it's it's neither a top down or a bottom up approach. It's kind of a shared responsibility approach. Everybody has to be responsible all the way from the level to, you know, of our government and, and, and global governments down to corporations, down to, you know, large, you know, organizations down to the the members of those organizations. Everyone plays a role in this. Um, And I think that's, that's kind of one of the central tenets of public health is that everybody has to take some sort of responsibility for making sure that these kind of things uh, do not become catastrophic. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, on that note, we're gonna I'm, I'm gonna ask you a couple just logistical questions because I know you have a, a bit of an out. So, um, you know, for people wondering if they are going on a date or whatever, uh, can you be intimate? Should you refrain? Um, especially, you know, we were we were joking that. Uh, this whole time is probably going to there's, there's going to be two two piles of people there's going to be a lot of breakups and a lot of covid babies um because of people just like trapped inside <laughs> yeah i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if there's a nice little covid baby bump about nine months from now because everyone's locked in close quarters and has nothing to do yeah um um so i mean how can people be responsible when it comes to again kissing sex um what if you live with someone how do you sort of safeguard the physical aspect of things. No, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, this is not a sexually transmitted disease, right? This is a respiratory illness. There are some 
mentions that hypothetically children can can shed these uh, in stool. I don't know that that's true or not, mm-hmm. um, because you know a lot. Unfortunately, a lot of the you know most of the medical data that we depend on is usually well vetted and, and well. Uh, curated and, and here we're just kind of using what we call, I mean, kind of real time information that we're getting. But yeah, I mean, I, I think if you have a partner and you and that partner are, you know, each other, neither of you are ill, neither of you have had ill contacts. Uh, you know, I mean, I think, I think because there's that proximity, I don't think there's any problem. I mean, if you, however, are meeting someone for the first time, um, you know, if you cannot keep it together for like two or three weeks, um, then maybe <laughs> there might be, be some other problem. <laughs> yeah, there might be some other problem that you're having if you can't uh, if you can't keep it together right. <laughs> for that amount of time. I mean, um, what if you live you know, I think, with someone? Because I feel like <laughs> that's what, tough. If, what if you live with someone who has with no, has, just who like has COVID, when or what you, do you live mean? with somebody, someone like a partner, and somebody is going out to whatever the grocery store and then coming back or. You, mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. doing someone yeah, on I mean, one I, I, well i yeah i think i think honestly if you are in a you know uh, committed relationship with somebody else and you trust that that person is being safe you trust that that person is washing their hands you trust that that person is you know avoiding people who are coughing or sneezing they're not touching things excessively you know i i think there's no there's no problem with interacting with your fellow person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen the number of Corona fist bumps and the Corona elbow taps and the Corona feet bumps, uh, that we've been seeing has been kind of comical. Uh, but you know, it's an effective way to, in some ways, share humanity without kind of touching one's hands. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think, I think if you're living with someone, I mean, it, you know, the other thing you have to balance is, does that person that you're living with have some sort of medical comorbidity? Mm-hmm. Um, if that person's having a medical comorbidity, you probably want to be far more careful uh, than if that person is otherwise healthy. Yes. Um, but, I, but I think if you're if you are living with someone, if there's someone in your house, if it's you know friends and family and that sort of stuff, I think it's very much a trust related issue. Um, and, and I think open information is also important. Let's say, for example, your friend, you know, two weeks from now finds out that she has COVID nineteen. It's probably important for her to let all of you let all of you know, just so that you have that data point. You're aware. Your your you know radars now you know up and firing at full power, and that you're watching out for this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, should so what what kind of alternate ideas can we sort of brainstorm real quick <laughs> for dates that are not okay. at bars? Um, I mean, I hate the phone. But phone dates, FaceTime dates. You know, I, I think I think people have a lot of opportunity to be creative. Um, you know, we 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 have a huge kind of dependency on bars. We have a huge de- you know dependency on restaurants. Um, the great outdoors is a great place to both find yourself and escape from other people. Um, you know, going out into the woods and going hiking, going into parks and actually doing some sort of like taking a jog together, taking a long bike ride together is probably going to be a, you know, physical activities in the outdoors. Um, probably going to be some great, you know, where uh, places that you can go where you're just not going to interact with a lot of other people 
or you're not going to be using a lot of facilities that other people have been trudging through. We'll end up being like it's like the 1950s where you end up just take, taking a stroll around your neighborhood together and talk. And, um, yeah, which is, which is kind of awesome, which is kind of awesome. Totally. If you think about it, it's the whole idea that, you know, like the idea that you might actually put your phone down for more than like five seconds and actually talk to another human being. I mean, that's amazing. Totally. Um, I, I thought mean, drive-ins I, yeah, are I mean, fun. I think Do you think drive-ins are okay? Uh, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, as long as, like I said, as long as that person that you're dealing with isn't sick, and, you know, yes. this is probably a good opportunity for you to bring your own food and drinks. Uh, pop some popcorn at home, bring some, you know, bubbly water from home and kind of do that. Because, um, yeah, I mean, it gives you an opportunity to be with other people, doing stuff with other people. But, hey, you know, as long as you're keeping your own car clean, you're good. Yeah. Um, COVID and chill has become a thing. COVID, yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure that has become a thing. <laughs> um, which will, again, also lead to a bunch of COVID babies nine months from now. So, guys, if you are doing that, mm-hmm. wrap it up. Wrap it up. Um, yeah, being, being uh, you should <laughs> just be, you know, I think it's hilarious. People are, you know, they're worried about COVID. It's like, well, you got to be worried about all the other things that you had sh- and should have been worried about, you before. know, for all the previous years. So, yes, so true. please be safe in all of your endeavors. Um, before we let you go, um, what, you know, message would you sort of give people as we round this out who are still sort of putzing around unnecessarily or whatever, just in general about this? About, you know, um, I think that you have to take a balance between keep calm and carry on and the sky is falling. Um, I don't think either of those are the right way to approach this. Um, the, the challenge with COVID-19 is that it's new. We don't know anything about it from a long-term standpoint. And when we don't know things, it's harder for us to make educated decisions about what to do. And whenever that is the case, I think taking more caution, being more abundant with your caution is probably the better way to approach everything that you do. Um, and, and the other thing, I think the second thing that I would say is this is a phenomenal opportunity, and I won't call out any names, but for you to start getting more and more information from legitimate sources and not places that you would buy jade eggs and those sort of things for your healthcare needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think that I think that this is a really great opportunity for you to actually get information from reputable sources, reputable people actually start to take advantage of the fact that we're very fortunate in the U.S. and that we do have a pretty amazing healthcare system, despite what a lot of people say. And I think if more people took better advantage of it from a prevention standpoint, um, we really wouldn't have a lot of the same, you know, we wouldn't have as many of the same problems um, that we would if, if, if people weren't very reactionary. Um, and so that's, I think, something that's pretty important. So question, burning question on everybody's mind. Um, does hoarding toilet paper protect you from <laughs> COVID-19? I mean, it, it certainly protects you from, uh, you know, being out of stock of toilet paper if you were to need to teepee somebody's house, <laughs> uh, if, you have a, a, if you have a mummy costume contest coming up. 
if you, you know, bitches better uh, not be going out run. to a mummy contest right now. Okay. I will be so pissed yeah. at any of our listeners who's doing that <laughs> straight up. <laughs> no, um, I, I think that, you know, unless maybe I'm the wrong data point, but I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to be going through, uh, you know, massive superstore amounts of toilet paper in yeah. three to four weeks. Uh, they actually, so, I read somewhere I think, that all you need is like a, a 12 pack, like one and you're fine for over two weeks. And that's like, if you use a lot. Um, and so my joke yeah. is sort of like, if your ass needs that many wipes, then there might be another issue. And maybe you should go to the doctor and it, figure out what's really going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're using, uh, you know, half a roll of toilet paper, you know, twice a day, you've got other issues uh, it might be that time for really the day. probably need to be addressed. <laughs> right? Save yeah, the I mean, environment? Yeah, I, yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, I, 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 would, I guess just, I, I'm not sure that you need to be hoarding toilet paper. Right. Um, you know, it, it, yes, have a stock at home like anything else. But I mean, I think... I think this is the same preparedness that you should have for everything. Totally. You know, you should probably have about two weeks of food at your house. You should probably have about two weeks of medicine at your house. You should probably have about, you know, two weeks of water at your house. You know, I live in Florida. We have hurricanes here. So most of us have stashed away in our homes some amount of preparedness items. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think we could prepare for like toilet paper apocalypse. Yeah. But at the same point... <laughs> At the same point, I mean, yeah, I mean, you should have some baseline level of preparedness items at your home. I mean, it was just funny because to me, I I was sort of like, grocery stores and pharmacies will all be restocked. They have all assured us of that. There is no closing of, you know, imports coming from anywhere else in the world. So we're we're fine with that. Um, So anybody worrying doesn't need to fret because they'll get restocked. The great news is most most disposable items like that are made stateside anyway. Exactly. So so really. So let's all breathe. (laughs) Really, yeah. I mean, and that's you know, and that's what I mean. I think like that 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 level of sky is falling mentality probably not a good idea. For those people that, you know, literally live toilet paper roll to toilet paper roll, you may want to consider, you know, buying that 12 pack. Yeah. Um, Just don't, you know, know, I I, I think like I I think what was breaking my heart is like people are taking from from way more than necessary and not caring about the person next to them who might actually be a high risk individual who's stepped out and took that risk to come out to the store. Like we've heard of seniors who've come out to stores and need those things. Exactly. So don't be the same thing. The same thing has happened with hand sanitizers. I mean, people literally are buying these things by the crate and you see people trying to resell these at a massive profit, Yeah, which, you know, uh, capitalism be damned. But at the same point, you again, I said, you know, you have to have that social responsibility, that care for your fellow man. Um, you really do have to think about the other. Yeah. Um, and it's important to make sure that your your behaviors uh, for, you know, we're very focused on the self. I mean, in our society, we're incredibly focused on the self. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to really be considerate of the other. And I think if you take that as your mentality of how you approach this in general, um, you're going to be in a situation where this is going to get better sooner rather than later. 
I love that message. Thank you, Brian. Um, so you're not done. Um, we have six questions with you, um, which we can't oh, do with our next guest. Oh, no. Because, yeah, I just can't. <laughs> but with you, you're so fun. Oh. We can do it with you. Um, Brian, okay. are you ready right. for your six questions? Dr. Lobo. Oh, I, ho- I, I hope so. I'm never going to hear the end of this, I'm sure. All right. <laughs> you got it. You got this. Okay. Um, it's however you perceive the question. I'm not going to say anything in between. It's however you are. So. Dr. Okay. Lobo, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Ooh, that is tough. Um, I think for me, the thing that I notice immediately about a potential partner is kind of the attention to detail that they put into things. Um, you can tell a lot about a person by how much attention to detail they put into really anything that they do. Interesting. What is your one deal breaker? Ooh, oh man, that's tough. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of neediness or codependence. Um, I like independence. I think that's important. Yeah, that's a good one. What turns you on? Um, someone who has both an incredible sense of confidence and intelligence but also has such an amazing sense of humor that they can they can actively both be made fun of and make fun of themselves and take it as well as they can dish it out. Love it. Tell us when you find uh, him or her, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Um, tell us one of your dating strengths well and weaknesses in relationships. Oh, man. Um, I am pretty socially flexible. Uh, I am just as comfortable cooking a huge spread for dinner as I am sitting on the couch doing nothing as I am going out and going sailing or whatever, skiing. I mean, I you know, or go out to a bar restaurant. So I'm very uh, flexible socially. Weakness. Um, Oh, I'm probably too honest uh, with people. Uh, I will call people out if I think something is done poorly or wrong or I'm not really a fan of mediocrity. Uh, that's probably a huge weakness. Yeah, that's also fair. Um, Dr. Lebo, what is love? Oh, man. You know, I, I wish I were Keanu Reeves so I could give you like a really thoughtful answer. Um, but love is, I think, a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, ultimately, though, if you look at love objectively, it's kind of this nonsensical addiction that causes us to do things that to an outside observer would probably be completely irrational and nonsensical, but to us make complete sense. I love it. It's such a scientific response to it. <laughs> um, to your be. last Has question, be. besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Hmm. I think... You appreciate me I because like I think it. a lot of times in relation in relationships it's a, it's less about how you feel about that person but more how they feel about you and how yeah I love that I, I, I would say yeah that's awesome uh, this is these are after these these are distilled down after years of mistakes hey, um, hey. Put it that way it's it's so. all a trial and error process. Um, 
It definitely is. <laughs> Dr. Lobo, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you um, really sincerely as, you know, uh, a first responder to all to all the doctors and nurses and first responders out there um, taking care of people suffering, not just now through COVID-19, but in general. Thank you guys so much because I think you put yourselves um, at a lot of risk and in harm's way to take care of the greater good and all of humanity. So thank you. Hey, listen, I really appreciate the thanks, but I am merely a booger picker. There are a lot of people in it, No, I mean, there's a lot of people in medicine and not in medicine who take far greater risks and take care of far more sick people on a daily basis than I do. And I'm thankful for those people because they make my job a lot easier. Totally. Um, so I, I'm, I'm thankful to them. Well, thank you again. And um, we will have you back on again soon uh, on a lighter issue than um, COVID-19. Okay. Right. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks again, Thank Dr. So Lobo. Much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. That okay. sounds great. Bye. Bye. Friends, we are not done. Um, you can follow us on social media. We are at Kind of Dating uh, across the board. I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel official on Facebook. Again, if you're liking what you're hearing so far, remember to subscribe. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it and leave us a five-star rating or review. All right, friends, we are here with another amazing guest. Um, you know my friend uh, Adam Sussman. Uh, he adores this man as his, you know, sort of one of his favorite spiritual teachers. Um, I can't uh, tell you all the great things I've heard about him, but let me introduce him first. He's a member of the Everyday Health Wellness Advisory Board. Dr. Amit Sood is the executive director of the Global Center for Resiliency and Wellbeing, a former professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic and the creator of Mayo Clinic Resilient Mind, among many, 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 many other things and achievements um, that Dr. Sooth has had. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. We're so honored to have you. Thank you for having me, Natasha. It's a privilege to be with you and your guests. Oh, we've, uh, like I said, we've heard the best things about you, but, you know, we are also sort of a lighthearted podcast while we get deep. So we have to ask every guest the same question. Okay. Our first question to every guest is always single or in a relationship, Dr. Sooth? Oh, I'm in a relationship. I'm married and I agree. Humor is very important awesome. no matter what. Yay. So this episode is we're talking about, um, you know, the coronavirus and specifically COVID-19. Uh, we'd love to know from you um, what that exactly is and should people be taking it seriously? So COVID-19 is one of the coronaviruses. It uh, was an animal uh, virus. It was mostly in animals. And for some reason... It jumped species and affected one or a few people. And uh, because uh, this happened in a very cosmopolitan place and because this virus uh, is very infective, it goes easily from one person to other, it spread like wildfire across the globe. Um, most cold viruses, most coronaviruses cause mild upper respiratory infection. I'm sure you all have had it. Uh, or have had them, but this one act in a proportion of patients. 
mostly patients whose immune system uh, may not be optimal or people who have chronic illness this can uh, migrate down and cause uh, pneumonia or other uh, systemic uh, illnesses so yes we should be concerned about it but so we are in the middle of a coronavirus epidemic but we should not create or turn it into a fear epidemic Yeah, that's a really great point and kind of leads me into um, what our, you know, big topic with you is, because, of course, you are a medical expert, a renowned professor of medicine at one of the biggest hospitals. Um, So, you know, but, but you also have a very great sort of, for lack of a better, better word, spiritual kind of approach to things also like mind, body, soul kind of approach. So I'd love to know from you, um, firstly, should people be dating right now? And how do you manage sort of the stress around that during this time? So managing stress, I mean, it is the first step uh, to managing stress uh, in my mind is in this particular situation is to recognize that it is normal to feel stressed. Uh, it is normal to feel a little bit of fear, to have a little bit of worry. Um, so there is no need to force positivity. If you are uh, stressed, uh, then you're not crazy. It's normal. Uh, and that recognition, acceptance is part of self-compassion. You're, you have to be kind to yourself. In fact, uh, interesting research shows uh, that uh, people who allow themselves to experience authentic emotions are the ones who are the happiest instead of, you know, forcing positivity. And and the reason we want to be authentic and we want to allow ourselves to be happier in the long term is because that is what correlates with the best, most uplifting emotions. Now, past that initial uh, self-validation I, what I personally suggest is to focus on what is right within what is wrong. Can I be grateful that I have good immunity and uh, good overall health? Can I be grateful for all the resources I have? Can I be grateful that I do not have the infection yet and am able to distance myself from others who have infection? Uh, this is also a moment to cultivate compassion. I highly, highly recommend to reach out to somebody on the phone, through FaceTime or whatever, someone who may be vulnerable, somebody who has, let's say, a chronic medical condition or uh, a suppressed immune system or someone who feels lonely. And the purpose of reaching out to people is because that helps their immunity and it helps your immunity. Wow. So, so, so my initial response is validation, gratitude, compassion, and connection. And all these will help you, help others, and help your immune system. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I mean, um, one thing I talked about on my Instagram is like my building manager um, recently had a heart attack uh, just, you know, six months ago, maybe. And so I messaged her and I said, and she's a senior, you know, she's 60 plus. And I just said, hey, you know, I know with everything going on, like you might feel um, not 
you know, comfortable going out. I just want you to know, like, I'm available if you'd like me to run any groceries for you or pick up any prescription. I'll happily drop it to your door. Like, try to limit as much as you go out just because I know she's, you know, of a certain population. So, yeah, I, I've also told people to try to just reach out to anybody around because at the end of the day, we're kind of all in it together, right? That is so wise of you. Absolutely, I agree. I believe, uh, and research shows that universe protects the protector. So uh, if you get busy helping others, somehow your system changes. And it says, you know, I'm, I'm having a good time on this planet. So, uh, you know, what kind of party do you like to go? One where you're getting bored or where you're having a good time. And similarly, so you want to stay at a party where you're having a good time. So when you feel like you're having a good time on this planet, your body says, I'm having a good time here. I might not as well leave. So your biology changes, your genetic expression changes, the molecules in your body changes, your your immune system gets busy with more innate and stronger antiviral response. And all of that keeps you strong and healthier. And the other part you don't want to leave is where you are the DJ. If you're the DJ, you're going to stay for long because now you have a sense of meaning, sense of purpose. So having fun, having a good time, and fulfilling a purpose, those are two ways to trick your body into getting healthier. Wow, I didn't realize that. Um, I I also liked how you said, you know, kind of finding the positive in this situation, like, especially for, you know, daters out there, I thought it might be interesting for people to start looking at it as a way of, well, this sort of forces you to take a relationship more slowly than you normally would, or to be more creative about how you date and interact and also priorities, right? Like, before, when we have all the energy and time in the world, we sort of waste it. And this kind of makes you prioritize and realize, oh, my health is really important. My family is really important. These people I love is really important. How can I give back during this time? Um, I mean, how, how else, you know, do you recommend people sort of see some of this? Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't answer your question the first time you asked. So if you have, if you are dating somebody, there's absolutely no reason to stop dating. Uh, I think, as you say, you can get creative. So let me tell you one quick thing. So I was flying uh, recently about four weeks ago where mid-flight, my flight had a, uh, some mechanical problem and the flight had to turn back and land. That was an emergency landing. Oh my 20 minutes of chaos. People were crying. And you know, the only thing I really remembered at that time was the love that I was able to share and the love that I received. And when I landed, I realized that that is the single most important thing. And love as in, um, you know, undivided attention and compassion in expressing gratitude, in being kind to each other, in paying attention to little details of each other, caring. I mean, so so all those actions that help you uh, show to the other person that you're worthy and you matter are the ones that you remember. And they're the ones that are good for your physical health. So being creative in this process, so, so you don't have to go on a complete social fast. It, partly it depends on what situation you are in. I mean, if you have immune compromise, have chronic illness, or are caring for someone who's elderly, then maybe social fasting may be 
fine for you. But I am actually looking at this as more social dieting. Social, you know, that whole social distancing piece. So you cut down the number of people you're connecting with. You pick the people who are um, cognizant about their health, taking care of themselves, and try to maintain a little bit of physical distance. Use uh, phone and texting and FaceTime and other social media, or, or, you know, approaches to connect. And when you are together, you know, make sure you clean and disinfect and, and be in small gatherings and everyone takes responsibility for their exposure. So I would suggest for healthy people uh, who are not taking care of someone who's chronically ill, at this point, social dieting uh, instead of complete social fasting. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. Um, it's kind of where... Uh, so, so for example, for daters, like for people meeting somebody for the first time, uh, is it preferable to sort of not meet at the bar restaurant now? Should should people get more creative, like not not date, but just maybe figure out another location that's not so exposed? Absolutely, I think for. Uh, First of all, I mean, if you uh, have, if you're unwell, this is not the time to start dating. Mm -hmm. If you are meeting someone, you want to avoid uh, getting close to uh, anybody within six feet. Uh, you know, if you're talking to somebody, you may actually have to be closer. So a perfect uh, place could be to walk outdoors in a quiet neighborhood. Um, if you're, uh, let's say, going to a gym, you be in an area, let's say, tennis court, where you're away from everybody. If you have to go to a more public place, maybe go first thing in the morning when there is not too many people. The main, the main theme is to avoid uh, coming within six feet of uh, distance from you know unknown people who you you may not know if they carry an infection or are. Um, even in preclinical phase, but they can transmit the infection. Yeah, that's great to know. Um, so I, I, I was curious to ask you, because, uh, uh, again, you have such a great perspective on everything, but what are some of the short and long-term sort of effects of social isolation? Because, you know, for those people that are being either forced into it or advised, um, because it is difficult not to interact with another human. So what can we do in that time um, to sort of, uh, you know, offset some of those repercussions? Like I know for you, you have a uh, great article um, and YouTube video, which we will share in our description of this episode on building immunity. Right. So social isolation, as you know, we are social beings. And um, if there is an animal, let's say, uh, if a deer is alone in the forest, the deer is really vulnerable to prey. So the moment we feel alone, our fear network starts firing and firing, and we start feeling vulnerable. It has catastrophic impact on our body, on our immune system, and it causes um, increased risk of diabetes and high blood pressure, infections, increased premature mortality. It is equal to you know, smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. So that is what social isolation does or perceived loneliness does. But keep in mind that Social isolation doesn't mean emotional isolation. 
And that's what we are talking about. Social distancing doesn't mean emotional distancing. The minds can connect. And thankfully, as right now we're talking on the phone, that the, the, any virus cannot travel through the phone, right? So you can still express gratitude. You can still give, you know, virtual hugs. You can create and savor humor. You can read a book together uh, and share the gist of what you learned. You can play games. You can uh, watch videos. You can do creative projects together. You as can well FaceTime. As you're in the same I home. hate FaceTime, but you can FaceTime somebody? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, I don't I don't hate FaceTime. <laughs> I would rather meet people in person. Of course. But... Um, but you know, I think it's a surrogate, and uh, it's it's fine. I think um, here is what here is what your and my brain needs. Our brain needs activation of a whole reward network. Mm-hmm. So we have this call this thing called reward network that activates when we meet people, and it activates when we hear when we have find somebody who has a good ear to listen to what we are saying. It activates when we are doing something novel. Maybe there is a new herbal tea in your home that you haven't tried or a new flavor of coffee. Maybe you want to cook something really innovative. Maybe you want to color. Maybe there is a book that uh, is in your heart that you haven't written. So the more you can together activate your reward network of the brain, the less uh, you will feel lonely and the less emotional impact you, you, you will experience from this distancing. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, people should be excited, at least if it's just for two weeks of sort of, you know, distancing or isolation, because you can clean your house, you can, you know, reorganize things, you can, uh, like for me, catch up on tons of work that you never get to do, you get to chill and read books that you never get to normally read, and without feeling any um, guilt or repercussions, like in the holidays, you're always having to hang out with your family, so it's too many distractions, or on a vacation, you're like, well, this is supposed to be my vacation time. I can't just rest. Um, but this is a great time for people to catch up, right? Absolutely. And it is all a matter of perceived control. If you uh, if you chose this uh, two weeks of you know downtime, then the whole feeling will be different compared to being forced to have uh, this two weeks of downtime. Uh, the whole idea is, am I choosing this or is this happening to me? So you have to reframe very, very quickly. So I'm in Minnesota, and if we have to shovel snow in you know May, then uh, you know one day while shoveling snow, I thought, oh, snow is the water I'll get to drink in the summer. So I since that time, I have redefined snow. <laughs> uh, when I'm in the flight and if there is in-flight turbulence, I close my eyes and imagine I'm going on a roller coaster. So that has changed my perception of mid-flight turbulence. So you, you, as you exactly say, this is the time to catch up, organize, be creative, be proactive, and, and do something that is really fun that you may not have an opportunity to engage in uh, for two weeks in a row. You know, you don't know for how long until perhaps you retire. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you you are a, a wonderfully happily married man. Um, I'm sure people would love your advice on the opposite of, uh, you know, the dating aspect of like sing- single people are obviously wondering, should we 
Should we date at all? What about the people who are in relationships and living together? How do they not kill each other right now? Oh, I think um, so. There's a few things I do. One is I wake up in the morning and before I leave the bed, I, I promise myself, I remind myself every single day, why am I grateful to my wife? You know, mm. so I think about one good thing she has said or done in the last few days. So by the time we are meeting first thing in the morning, my connection is not transactional. It's not, oh, let's get this done, get the, kid, get the kids ready. My connection is affiliated. I, I, you know, when you were using the word, so I do not want adversarial connections, but I also don't enjoy transactional connections. And that is the fear people have because you'll still connect with people, but they'll be transactional. Convert every transactional connection into affiliative by reminding why are you grateful to the person you're meeting? You know, having compassion for your loved one um, because they are struggling in their own unique way. And very important, API, assume positive intent. Uh, when you find someone uh, upset or someone not doing exactly as, as you like, maybe they, you know, if they're not going to candlelight dinner with you, maybe they were assaulted in a dark Mm-hmm. You know, and this is actually a story of someone I know. So so basically, assuming positive intent, giving them space and also recognize, you know, when you look at the moon from a distance, the moon looks perfect. The moment you put on binoculars, you start seeing scars on the moon. So it is invariable that when you get to know some people, somebody, you will start finding imperfections in them. I mean, I'm sure you've looked at when you travel, as you look at your image, your, your your reflection in those mirrors that really amplify your face and show all the, you know, when I look at my face in those mirrors in the hotels, oh, yeah. they show all the... <laughs> oh, yeah. Dr. Sue, that's why I put so much makeup on. Okay. Okay. I can't, you know, I don't, I can't do that, uh, you know. So anyway, so, so recognize that when you come clo- look somebody close up, you are going to f- find, you know, warts and wrinkles that, because nobody is perfect, just as you and I are not perfect. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, what can people do to sort of, again, manage that stress of being around somebody all the time if they are in a quarantine situation or isolation or, yeah, social distancing means you sort of around the same five people all the time, um, especially for couples. Is there things that they can do, like kind of re- maintain their independence while spending time together? Yeah, so I think uh, a few things you can do is uh, uh, is doing creative activities together. You can plan on reading uh, a, a book together. You can plan a painting project. Uh, you can uh, plan some some catching up, organizing uh, work around your house. Being proactive uh, about you know what you are planning for the next six months. You can plan um, you know a, a vacation. You can um, cook something creative. So, uh, so connect with uh, some sort of a purpose, some sort of a meaning. And of course, you can watch your favorite shows together. Um, you can research the uh, the history of uh, an apple or um, a pumpkin. I mean, basically, um, things that you both enjoy that are creative and that that make you help you both grow. 
you did allude to the idea of immune resilience, which I'm intrigued by because there's uh, there's two things you can do to uh, prevent an infection and allow yourself to be cured if you get infection. Yeah, and we'd one really is, love to course, know that. Uh, yeah, one is, thank you, yeah. So one is, of course, to... To, uh, to prevent exposure and social distancing and all that. The other is to build your immune resilience. So if you experience this, it, it really uh, passes through as, as a common core. So there's eight different ideas uh, that uh, I have researched so far. Uh, the first one is to, uh, to get rid of any micronutrient deficiency. So these are all vitamins and minerals. And um, uh, so if you have not thought about micronutrient deficiency, there's a one in three chance you actually have it. Uh, so I have personally started taking one uh, multivitamin mineral twice a week uh, off late just to make sure because even mild micronutrient deficiency can predispose you to immune suppression. Two is catch up on sleep. Uh, mm. Sleep deficit decreases your immunity and increases inflammation. Uh, so, so if you have incurred a significant sleep debt, now is the time to correct it. Three is give your body adequate movement. Now, now is not the time to start marathons, but uh, and now is also not the time to remain sedentary. So, be uh, have focused twenty thirty minutes of activity during the day and be agile throughout the day. Fourth is let go of optional stressors. Have you been a perfectionist? Are you allowing people who shouldn't be in the story of your life write the title of your story? Um, are you saying yes when you should say no? Do you have a not-to-do list? So make sure you let go of optional stressors. Number fifth is relationships. This is a time to heal that hurtful relationship. This is a time to forgive and not have fear. This is also a time to express gratitude. Sixth is allow yourself to be happier. Uh, fill yourself with music. Have focused music time or surround yourself with music for a significant part of the, of the day. Do self-massage. You know, one single belly laugh can protect your, can enhance your immunity for almost 12 hours. So, so laugh. Uh, number seven is Get rid of bad chemicals. Are you eating something that has too many pesticides? Are you washing your apples? Uh, are you smoking? Are you drinking excessive alcohol? Is your water pure? Uh, are you inhaling something that may not be healthy? So so we don't want to be obsessive about this, but if you can get, get rid of a bad chemical, that will be helpful. And finally, add good compounds into your body. Eat plant-based food that was recently alive. Um, so those are the eight different ideas, and I've actually captured it uh, in Build Your Immune Resilience video on YouTube and immuneresilience.com website if you want more information. Yeah, and we're going to share that. Um, once again, guys, it's going to be in the description of this episode, so you'll have the links available for um, the articles and the videos and the website. Um what you were saying is it's so true with the um, the immunity thing and the comedy aspect of it, just like laughter, because I think what made me sad is 
again, just such unprecedented times where everything is closed, um, like comedy clubs are closed for the first time in a long time. And comedy is usually the escape for people. It's the way people deal with trauma and stress, especially even as like a nation. The first thing you do is you try to laugh. And so, you know, it, it sucked for me as a comedian to see comedy clubs getting closed down. But but for the people listening, there are so many comedy specials on television, um, on Netflix and all those streaming apps and um, and uh, tons of comedy shows. And speaking directly to what you said, Dr. Sooth, a few days ago, kind of when all of this was first starting to really, really break, I think it was maybe Thursday. Uh, I'm an empath, so I actually get very overwhelmed with the energy around me. And I noticed myself like I've been prepared actually for a while because I sort of anticipated this to happen. So I I wasn't Mm -hmm. too worried. I wasn't running to the store because I kind of had everything. But in general, I was just feeling very, very heavy and down. And so what I did is I told all my friends, I said, hey, guys, I just can't talk about this right now. And I got to put my phone away and I'm going to watch some comedies. And so for the rest of the night, I, you know, did that. I I watched uh, a bunch of Shit's Creek, guys. It's a great show if you haven't watched it. And then mm-hmm. um, I, I meditated before I went to bed, just 10 minutes. And I woke up a completely different person. Like all of that just sh- just washed away and I was fine. I was like, wow. And so now every night I've just been meditating before I go to bed just to sort of cleanse my palate because it does get heavy, you know, reading the news, talking to people all day, everybody's sending articles with what's happening. And so you kind of got to do some self-care, right? And kind of what you said, all of that builds immunity. Absolutely. You know, laughter is a perfect mini workout. We, um, when we laugh together, we when we laugh together with people, our hearts start beating together. So, so we, uh, we feel life is good. I might as well stay on this planet for longer. So it helps our immune system, helps our genetic expression, uh, decreases blood pressure in the long term, helps heart health and so on. There's just multiple benefits of authentic laughter. You know, what I'm fascinated by, in addition to everything good that you were saying is, um, uh, creating your own humor. So I've actually been reading books on how to create stand-up comedy. You know, it's it's very interesting when you look at the science of how to create good humor. And I think this is, I will spend some time uh, over the next few days understanding uh, how humor operates, what makes people laugh. And uh, is that the surprise element? Is that, you know, cre- is it, you know, extremes of emotions element? And how to create good humor, you know, good humor that uh, is collective, that doesn't point fingers, and that just lifts all of us together. Um, I-, I try to do that throughout our, you know, uh, you know, programs through in mind body resilience programs so that it's not dry and it's really fun and engaging. But, but, Create learning how to create comedy is is a, is a skill. It's not you know some people have it in it, but it is truly you, you know something you can learn. And when you're good at it, you you have so many people have a good time. So I, I agree with all what you said. And meditation is is again another skill that activates the brain's reward network. We know 
and it's very calming. Typically, something that has a deep breathing element to it. Um, just don't expect too much right away. Just so you can't swim like a dolphin, you know, in two weeks, you won't be able to meditate for 45 minutes right away. There's a simple meditation called gratitude meditation where uh, you send your silent gratitude to a few people. That's what I typically recommend commonly. It's only about three or four minutes long. Um, and, and, and most people can practice it. Oh, I love that. Maybe we'll get the link from you and then we can post that too in the in the description so people have it. Um, Dr. Sooth, I could talk to you forever and we would love to have you back again sometime um, for a, a lighter topic um, than uh, how to manage COVID-19. But before we um, let you go, do you have any sort of final message regarding um this whole virus and pandemic and um, just to, you know, to people who might not be taking it as seriously or anything about it? Yeah, the way I see this is this epidemic, see, we've had a bunch of epidemics. They were smaller. We had MERS, we had SARS, now we have this. And this is, I can promise you, not the end of it. So uh, so when I look at the resilience model, it's like that bouncy ball. When you throw the ball on the floor, you know, a good rubber ball bounces high and where you throw it from. So I think we should use this as an opportunity to recognize that the, at the end of the day, we will never have enough vaccines and enough antivirals and enough masks and enough PRL. It's my own grit, my physical, emotional, social, and spiritual grit, my own resilience that can protect me at the end of the day. So we sh- I think it will be ideal to use this as a wake-up call to work on our innate immunity, our physical immunity, our emotional, social, and spiritual immunity. And uh, the, the goal is, so when we look back at this moment, we see that this was, that was the, the, the moment in my life that, that disruption is what started my transformation. And so, so really, we should move from disruption to transformation individually and collectively. I, I would love for that to be the legacy of this rather than we failed here or we failed there. I, I love that. Um, I, yeah, I don't even know what else to add. That was beautiful. <laughs> um, okay. Dr. Sood, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How can people find you and uh, follow you on social medias if you'd like or any websites, anything you'd like to share? Oh, sure. Uh, well, I have a couple of websites. One is resilientoption.com and uh, my I'm only on Twitter. It is at AmitsudMD, at A-M-I-T-S-O-O-D-M-D. And I just put together this immuneresilience.com for people to at least have access to all the information. I think those are the places you can find me. Otherwise, I stay in Rochester, Minnesota with my family. Oh, I love it. Um, Well, thank you once again for um, your time, your efforts, um, your positivity. And once again, we've been thanking sort of all the doctors around the world, um, including yourself, for, you know, always putting yourselves um, in harm's way sometimes uh, to take care of all of us. So thank you so much. Thank you. And my virtual hug and warmest wishes to you. And all your guests. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Air hugs to you, too.
friends um we hope you enjoyed this episode make sure you follow us on social media we are um at kind of dating on twitter facebook instagram and i am at natasha chandel on instagram natasha underscore chandel on twitter natasha chandel official on facebook um thank you so much for downloading this episode please take a few seconds and review us on itunes and download the rest of our shows um also send in your dating stories and thoughts to kind of dating at gmail.com Finally, right now, more than ever out there, I know it seems tough, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Our producer is Adam Pineless, and our intern is Karina Uribe. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.